episode 69 of A Hoop's Journey with Phil Jalalpur is brought to you by Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoop's Journey. Um, we're breaking barriers here. You know, when we started, we we have not had anyone outside of Canada officially on, on a passport be with us. We consider ourselves lucky because this man has found his way out to the West Coast for a few years, and that was were some important years of his life, and we're thrilled to have him on. He sent me a little bit of a bio about himself, and I can tell you just from reading and taking some notes, he is a gentleman who has a true hoop journey, um, coming off probably one of the best experiences in his life in basketball um, at the uh, recent Olympics, which we'll definitely get into, but we are super thrilled for episode 69 to have none other all the way from Germany, Mr. Phil Jalalpur. How are you, man? Hey, guys. What's up? What's up? Good to be here. Yeah, man. It's good to have you on. Um, how are things going? Where are you guys right now in terms of season and training and all that? It's been a whirlwind two months for you here, but uh, just check in and tell us how you're doing. Yeah, it's it's been wild. I just uh, basically got back from Tokyo and then I had about... I think five days at home, in, which is in the southwest of Germany, in a town called Schifferstadt. And then yeah, I was straight into training camp again in my club where I played for last year, which is like Bayreuth. And the boys had the summer off, so they were ready to go. I was kind of tired from my summer, not going to lie. But <laughs> yeah, we're in the end of the second week of training camp now and got our first exhibition game Saturday, which everybody's looking forward to because there will be fans this time. And then, yeah, we got about four weeks of preseason left and then just into another season. Cool, man. Um, How are you feeling now, like physically after a couple weeks of training camp? Did you you allow yourself to kind of take a few possessions off and sub out a little more? Or is it like, hey, this Uh, is what's putting bread on the table and did your body just kind of get back into it? Yeah, I can't really take like, possessions off in that sense but it was really nice the coach and the gm and stuff were just they gave me i think four extra days off or five and kind of told me like book yourself into a little resort which was nice so uh, yeah, i went into a go. place which was like yeah 30 40 minutes from here went to the first team meeting but then i was like guys i'll see you in five days and it was just like a whole bunch of saunas and whirlpool and just trying to process of what happened in the summer and yeah, so, but then once I got back, it was right back into it, and I'm I'm feeling all right. It's surprisingly good for how, like, crazy this summer was, because, again, after season, like, I had three days, and then I went straight into the training camp for the, trying to make the Olympic squad, so it's been, I think, 12 months straight basketball now, and now into another season, but that's what, uh, like you said, that's what we do for a living, so. There you go. Gotta do it, yeah. You know, and from a professional standpoint, we've had lots of guests on here who've played overseas or currently are playing overseas. And sometimes you hear, you know, some not so good stories, right? So you have a club that recognizes, hey, that, you know, one of our main guys needs some rest. Let's take care of him. That must make you feel good about who you're with and what they think and what they value in you, hey? Yeah, they're very, very professional. Even in that sense, it's it's modern with like the loading and stuff, they're pretty intelligent with track and how guys are feeling throughout the week and adjusting practice accordingly. Preseason is tough regardless, but yeah, for sure, they kind of they do a great job with that of even treating the players. I feel very comfortable here, and they, they really try everything to make you perform at your highest level, that everything they have in their control is 
taken care of so you can perform at your best. So there's definitely no complaints. And this is a this is a club where I got really lucky because for sure I heard those other stories too where guys are out, I don't know, in tough countries, especially with old school coaches or whatever, but I'm very, very blessed here. Well, let's yeah. let's jump right into it. International man, Corbin and I both teach high school or coach high school basketball here um, back in Vancouver and obviously a different model. So one of the things I really want to get into with you is talking about the model that you grew up in and tell us about your life and, and what life was like for you as a little guy. You know, just how basketball started, started to become a little bit of who you are. First off, I think just the main difference is that in, in Europe, for the most part, sports are organized in a club system. So I think the comparison will be travel, but for us, it's year round. So any sport that you would be interested in, um, you have to actually go join that club, look in your city, look in the surroundings of like what club is offering that. Uh, if you want to become a swimmer, whatever, you got to join the local swim club. If you want to become a basketball player, same thing. So that route doesn't never go really like through school. School introduces certain sports, but it's mainly just PE lessons and stuff. And there's not really like competitions between schools or whatever. It's just mainly club based. And yeah, I mean, where does my journey begin? Actually, I was no connection to basketball whatsoever, but I was five and I think I caught the chicken pox or something like that. I was home <laughs> for two or three weeks. Yeah. And my mom bought this uh, movie called Space Jam. I'm sure everybody knows. home and I just friggin loved it and watched it for I don't know one week straight every single day a couple times and I was like mom um, you gotta find a basketball club because watching this guy MJ kind of as, as I'm sure you know has some like poetry to it so I was like man I just kind of caught the bug and yeah then I joined the local basketball club and there is it's organized in like U8, U10, U12 and stuff like that so yeah I just joined the U8 group at that time I think and then worked my way all the way up to um, like basically till I graduated high school and then it gets more and more organized in a way and we have a national basketball like youth league where you play against teams throughout Germany that are really like organized well with the, with the best players from each area in a way. And then yeah, just went through the traditional German basketball school I would say until I was uh, 19 or 18 and a half, yeah. The thoughts on Space Jam, one, that's super dope. Two, that makes me feel really old. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, the McDonald's Happy Meals right now are Space Jam. So, like, my kid, <laughs> when he gets a Happy Meal, he kind of, he's like, what's Space Jam? And then he's really into uh, the soundtrack, the original soundtrack. He likes the, uh, you know, the everybody, everybody get up, kind of song. So he's always like, Dad, play that. So but that makes me feel old, man. <laughs> Do you stay with the club that you played the whole way? Do they kind of try to poach you? Do you get offered to go to a different club? How, do, how does that work? Or is that not a common thing, you know, where, where you played? I think when I was like the generation before me, that was really unusual. You stayed in your area. You didn't really move like because you just the club for the most part. Like in your area at some point, you might switch from a smaller club. Like I'm trying to like think of examples like like Richmond as a team, you know, West Van as a team, North Van. But then there's this one big Vancouver team that you would go join in a way. So that's like the team out of Vancouver. But nobody from like Alberta or something would come play there. But then my generations, some schools did create boarding schools, which is interesting. So in a way... Yeah, you had a room and kind of people took care of you. And then you joined that, like, I had a guy on my team, for example, went to my high school who lived in a boarding school and he came training and he came from like three, four hours away because 
he he really heard good things about the coach. So there is those situations. Yeah, you do have the opportunity to move around, but I would say I guess eight out of ten guys kind of stay in the area because yeah, you just kind of stay home and it's not as easy to switch schools and stuff. And like our like my high school is grade five to thirteen, so it's not like we have middle school or something in between. So once mm-hmm. I was on that school in fifth grade, I was going to finish it all the way to the thirteenth grade. So. You just gotcha. kind of stay with your club, yeah. And did you play anything else, or was it once basketball started to come to, to you, you were like, man, I'm loving this, and got really involved? Or did you have a choice? I No, I played a little bit. Uh, well, I was doing track and field all the way until I was like probably 15, 16, just because uh, my family was involved more in that. That's like more of our background, running and all that stuff. So I did track a little bit of swimming, but it is fascinating how – like it's getting better now, but you got specialized really early, like from grade, like age 12 on and stuff. I had so much basketball practice because I was playing the under 12 team. I was helping out the under 14 team. I was practicing with the under 16 team, then at individuals. So like, I mean, track and field was like maybe once or twice a week, but then basketball is like, you have a lot of practice going on because yeah, I mean, even at age 16, I was playing in the 16 age group, whatever, but helping out in the men's team, getting my first kind of, like put mm-hmm. into playing with the professional guys or practicing and stuff. So it is tough to play multiple sports. Yeah. Like if you take it serious in a way. Yeah. And a German who didn't mention football. What's up with that? Yeah. I mean, no? my brother, my, my brother, I mean, my dad was a big soccer player and then mm-hmm. my brother did it, but yeah, I just kind of watched my brother and they're very intense. So I think I had a, like I was three or four and I saw a guy cussing out my brother like crazy or like his team. <laughs> I wasn't him or whatever. And I was just like, what? Like I already at that age, I was like, okay, my brother is, is five years older than me. He must've been eight or nine. I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is under 10 soccer here. Easy there, bud. So I was like, I was like, not really, like, I mean, I'm still good at it as, as, uh, the, you can ask the UBC guys. I got the golden boot there a couple of times in legendary tournament. Played for the yeah. UBC men's basketball team, so I did. I did. I am. I am solid, but yeah, never wanted to play in a club. I just was waiting for that other sport, which came along through Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. And who like were there a couple coaching mentors for you? Did you just start to have a good group of guys around you that loved hoops, or? Did you enjoy the best thing that I think about basketball is like you need a hoop and a ball and that can sort of be all you need to get really drawn into the game. Talk a little bit about kind of those scenarios for you growing up. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I did always, like through every phase, I had a person who was kind of with me. I just, I mean, I loved them all in the hoop. Like I didn't really need anybody in that sense. I was playing outside in front of my house all day, every day. I just loved it. But there's like my friend early on who he ended up stopping, but he was just my guy I went with. And then I had a really good, actually old school Russian coach when I was 10, I think, for two years. Then he, I think he must have been like, I think he went back to Russia, but he really like, he started making me like fall in love with different, like first time I started thinking about reads and like really the intricacies of basketball at that age because he tried to teach you early in a way. He's really, really, really good coach. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, man, there's really, of course, important people I can mention, like 20 different like coaches and teammates and stuff who pushed me. But I had a pretty good group of guys around me and, yeah, just always felt uh, I was in a good spot. And when did you start to think moving on post-secondary? This is where, you know, your journey gets super interesting. And maybe people that didn't do any research when they got a chance to see you at UBC didn't know about those previous years. Um, but how does one end up sort of looking at a JUCO in Washington State? 
Well, so from, I don't know, from age five on, I was like, this is, this is what I was going to do. Like, I'm going to become, I mean, that's NBA, but I was just like, early on, I said, I want to become the best player I can be, period. I really early, like, onset that goal and said, whatever that, wherever that takes me, that's what it is. And then, yeah, because through the club system, once you graduate from high school, you have the decision to make. Like, guys turn pro before that in school, but normally you wait kind of until you graduate high school. And yeah, I could have signed my first pro contract or went overseas. And the reason I chose like to start looking into those options was because the connection through university. I always wanted to get a degree. I always was interested in learning more and I wanted to combine it. In Europe, it's difficult because there's no connections between the pro club and the university. So you can't miss lectures or you can't be like, oh, sorry, I will be gone on the road trip or we're playing internationally or something. So I can't be there. Like there's exceptions now where it's getting better, but normally like you can't really unless it's like through an online school which 10 years ago wasn't like that common and developed yet to get a degree so i was like man i don't know and then also saw a lot of guys go pro and you sit on a bench early on and you do make some money in the beginning but i was like i don't know i'm looking for a challenge i'm looking to go somewhere else and then i played an au tournament with a european team i think it's called euro elite hoops or something in orlando and that's when um, i got interested from a school in California, which I think was Cal State Bakersfield, I like I emailed the coach, and then it ended up being like, yeah, we'll look at you, uh, but we have this like JUCO and stuff. There's this connection. Maybe go one year into this great JUCO league, the NWAX, and you'll develop or whatever. So yeah, I, I contact the coach there. Uh, he heard about it and stuff. So he's like, sure, like come here, develop, and then I actually ended up going there because he's like, you'll fit perfect to our team. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was actually to go straight like Division One, but he says do this year because we have some, especially guards coming in. You struggle with the rules because stuff like you call timeouts in the middle of the games. The hand checking rules are different, you know. Like, and it was in the beginning that was a challenge. So I ended up there, and yeah, it was a steep learning curve because for sure it's played very different. You have to be more aggressive as a guard and stuff. And in Europe, it's kind of your pass first player, you know. So my mm-hmm. playing type didn't really gel there and then yeah i i um continued at the end i was done and was like okay i could come back here obviously because i didn't have a great season that school from cali was like okay maybe not because you don't like it doesn't work out over here or whatever and then i had an option i think division two somewhere in washington state but then actually another weird thing in the open gym a guy came up to me he says man like the way you play would fit perfect or whatever and i'm an assistant coach at the school called olds college in canada and i was like olds college like what i don't even know what that is you know and then i was like there's no way and he's like hey no no, no worries we'll fly you out for a recruiting trip and stuff and actually i don't know if you know kyle julius like the of coach play. yeah that's his Show brother KJ. ben julius yes like his brother ben julius was the head coach there Mm-hmm. And um, so he called me up and he says, man, like, because the, the assistant coach ended up filming a workout of me. And he's like, man, you should come up on a recruiting trip and stuff. I was like, who cares? I have time. I'll fly up there because I'm not making a decision yet for the summer. Mm-hmm. And so I flew there and yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird. It was super small and I knew nothing about Canada, nothing about the basketball systems there. And then I called my parents. I was like, this might sound crazy, but uh yeah, I don't know. This is kind of the place where I want to go because it was super isolated. But we had gym like there's like there was a residence or whatever where we had like a basketball court open twenty four seven. So literally from my room to the basketball court was like a thirty second walk. And then there was another great facility where we played 
And I was like, man, regardless of, I didn't really know, I didn't even know the difference between U Sports and ACS. I think that, thought that was the highest Canadian level or whatever. So at that time, and then I started informing myself more. And then I was like, honestly, like I could turn pro right now still because I had the option to add some connections in Germany and stuff. But I was like, why not? Like I'm still only, must have been 20 at that time. Mm-hmm. Why not learn about a new country? Because that's what I love about basketball too. You know, the different places you can see, the people you meet and that retrospectively must have been the best decision of my life um because i ended up going there and it was just i don't know that was one of the greatest years probably of my life because we just had an amazing group of guys ben jules did a great job of like bringing us together and then also just to grind up there you had no distractions calgary is like a 50 minute drive so we Mm -hmm. went there once in a while but it was just like literally what i needed like 24 7 gym access my one of my best friends until this day um jacob simmons was my roommate who was obsessed with basketball as i am so it was just like crazy stories, like 4 a.m., like waking up, guy, let's go shoot, and then just having that availability and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just loved that year. And then towards the end, um, we had a great, uh, we had a great season. I, I did pretty well too. And then interest started coming from bigger schools like University of Alberta, uh, UBC, and stuff. And then. I ended up uh, deciding, obviously, on that recruiting trip to UBC. I was, like, pretty sold, and just I gelled with Kev right away on that trip. I really liked what he had to say. He was just a good guy, and I don't know. I remember the one thing he said that just kind of did it for me. It was just, like, my like my only goal is that I'll, like, get invited to a wedding of yours, you know, and I've never really mm-hmm. heard a coach say that before, and mm-hmm. I was like, this is this is kind of where... This is kind of where I want to end up and then ended up at UBC. So that was kind of the story after after German high school versus going pro and then having yeah. this chance now at, through UBC of getting my degree and finishing with a bachelor's from one of the greatest universities in the world. So all yeah. ended up nice. Kev never said that to me, by the way. So just... <laughs> <laughs> says a lot about you and your maturity though man i mean like getting recruited out of high school i was nervous to like even think about going to u of calgary you know what i mean it was like let alone across the country and then going from america to canada what was it was it was it your family upbringing was it a was it just something that you learned on your own i mean not a lot of people would take those risks and and be that that motivated you know yeah i don't know i mean uh, to be honest my family was i'm really fortunate to have the most supportive family as like ever and they always said like kind of push me to do whatever you want kind of go take a risk you always have this place to come back to but don't be afraid and then i think also just seeing my dad my dad left iran when he was young and stuff and came to germany without speaking a language and then looking at the life he built was just kind of like he just kind of took a chance and was like man i'm going to university in germany and like came there like the stories he told me when i was younger literally landing in hamburg or and they're not speaking one word of German. And I mean, this is the, when was this early 80s? So there's no like Google Translate on your phone or whatever. Yeah. And you just, there's no English, none of this. So it was just kind of like- He's not blonde hair, blue eyes, you know? Exactly. So you got to, you just, and that's, I think where you always grew. So I just, I could have went more the safe route, I guess, with the pro journey, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, it always served me well. And until this day, kind of go in that step where you just like, comfort is not bad, you know, but just kind of daring in a way, because this is when like you go through hell and you also experience the greatest things ever. So I just kind of think those, that combination of seeing my father and then just having that supportive system, because that makes it easy. You know, if I wouldn't have that support, I think that jump would have been 
like there was moments when I was like, man, like I'm literally, what am I doing? Like I'm about <laughs> to go to the States, like, and not just like the East coast, you know, where it's a shorter flight, like straight up the West coast. And, but I was like, don't worry, just do it, just do it. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, good for you, man. Lots of takeaways there. And it's funny too, like my kid, my son's going to be five in November and I'm always thinking he's always listening and just like taking thing in, things in through like osmosis, you know? And so like when you have an immigrant father and you, even though maybe you don't even have those conversations, but just what you see and what he was willing to do to sacrifice for his family, you're like, shoot, man, I can hop on a plane and go play basketball. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Ain't yeah, no thing but sense. a chicken wing. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, you get to UBC campus, Obviously, like you've mentioned, a prestigious university in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Three years there, some runs at nationals, you know, Can West uh, Conference All Star. Uh, how were those years? And and um, you know, talk about the UBC program and and the connections you made because I you know just watched via social media and I know some of the guys that you played with and it seems like you all still have a good bond together and all you know carry many great memories from those years as T Birds together. Well, that's, I don't even know where to start. I mean, it mm-hmm. starts with a recruiting trip of who were the first guys I saw, Connor Morgan, shout out to Connor, shout out to mm-hmm. Jordan, Jensen White, Will Andrick, Luca Bazooka. There's a million guys I could mention right now. And just, I mean, it started with that, like that that family bond. And I mean, I did say Olds was, was just a really important year for me, but like probably the greatest years of my life. Like, I mean, where the years at UBC, just being taken into that family and then right away the alumni, the like, you know, all those guys, Don Nelson, like all those guys from the outside who came right away and met me and took me in. And I mean, because it was once again, a, like new, like new city, new area and stuff. And I mean, the coaching staff, everybody just, I love the program. It was super, super, super professional, kind of what I needed to take that like final step into turning myself into a pro player. And yeah, like you said, until this day, I'm still connected to everybody and I don't even know how to summarize that, but yeah, UBC, I mean, everybody knows just that school, that living in that residence and making that connections, even the whole Thunderbird program, like the way it's being run, it's improving every single year. You have everything you need as a person. You have sports psychologists, nutritionists, they they make sure you get registered in the proper classes, help you academically. Like it's probably the best like student athlete experience there is in Canada. I mean, I'm biased obviously, but yeah, man, those like all those memories going with the guys on the road trips and everything. And that was literally like the greatest. And then, I mean, the highlight for me personally is I ended up meeting my wife there. So no way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So had a boy way to get uh, that in there. Yeah. You're almost yes. moving on. Yeah. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's run it back. Run it back. <laughs> yes. Run it back. No, no. I left the best for last. <laughs> and yeah, she, she's a softball player. So I was like through the Thunderbird there. Uh, connections no and meet other athletes and stuff yeah so we kind of started dating towards like the very end of the time there so it was fascinating we took our time but yeah it was just perfect and then yeah now we got married and everything so we actually drew thunderbird love story so it's pretty <laughs> pretty fascinating uh, you'll be getting a letter in the mail of to donate back to ubc soon so don't worry about oh, that for, right? for sure <laughs> yeah. So talk about making the nationals. Did you make it twice? Yeah, I know you guys hosted it, right? Um, were you a part Actually, of the year? Were you part of the year that they hosted it? Yeah, that was my yeah. first year there. That was yeah. I know, man. I was great, there. great, great season. And then that Ryerson game. I, I mean, I don't know. We just that quarterfinals were up. Must have been eighteen or something. And then 
in the fourth quarter they ended up making I don't know, it must have been six consecutive threes and stuff and played the game of their lives it felt like. And um yeah, I think the last play too was they missed a shot, missed an old board, they kicked it out and they tied it almost on the buzzer to go to OT. And then we like you know, lost out there and it's tough because we had David Wagner in the big out if you remember him. He was of course. I mean, he was killing that game and also like just in the post doing whatever he wanted to, so I think we had a roster this year. Carlton would have been a challenge for sure, but that was a that was a year for sure, especially at home in the arena. The way it was set up was beautiful, and I thought we had them like that first game. But no, basketball goes, and then the next season, sadly, we got upset big time. We I think we went nineteen and one, and we're the number one seed. And then we got a p- pretty tough draw with Manitoba. We end up actually placing I think fifth at nationals, and they kind of gave us the work in playoffs, and then. In my last year, we lost to the later national champion, Calgary, who also, I think, both games are really close. But, yeah, it was rough to go out that way. But, I mean, it, I mean, at least for them, they won a national championship after. So, we did go out against the best. But, I mean, those rosters were, were pretty stacked. So, it was disappointing to not... I, I thought for sure we are going to get it one year. I don't care if Carlton, whoever was there. Because, I mean, guys like Connor, you know, like the stuff he's doing now... Uh, even Will, Jay, Luca, younger guys too. I mean, there's so many guys I could mention right now that with that roster, but didn't work out that way. But yeah, the way she goes, as they say. Yes, sir. And what did you, uh, overall, I mean, obviously you stayed and everything, but uh, upon reflection, what are some things maybe you'd like to see for you sport basketball in the future going forward? I know I think like when I see the talent that's out there, the the, ch- the chances that I get to watch games. I mean, when I'm coaching, you guys, they're playing Friday, Saturday. We're usually in a tournament. But I would just love to see so much more money and exposure be be put into it because I think the product uh, on every level, men's, women's, doesn't matter, is, is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that's where we should start. Like, the level of players that's there is unbelievable. Like, to start with Connor, for example, like, the level he's <laughs> playing at right now, people are not, like, are not aware, I think, of, like, how yeah, tough it is to play your cup. Like, it is and like the level there, man, it's unbelievable. Like the guys you go against, <laughs> it's tougher to score than the NBA. One hundred percent. I don't care what anybody says. The NBA is the the cream of the crop. But now having to play against every single body, trust me, like that level. Then guys like I don't know if you heard about Caleb Agata. He went through U Ottawa for five years. Yeah. He's about to make the NBA. I think I don't know if Denver took him. Now he played a great summer league for Denver. But like last year, the the number he puts up. Then I mean, there's so many names out there. Like. They're just dominating, so the level is there. But, I mean, there's a lot of different changes, I think, I guess. But the one thing I was at the exposure through, like, I think TV or something or, like, just having better media coverage because, I mean, that's what young guys grow up watching, right? Like, those games. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, I even heard stories of guys who grew up, right, in sports and I think just covered the Nationals. And then I remember a guy, like, my one of my younger teammates on UBC was like, oh, man, when I was 11, I watched this and this game. And it just kind of, like... He remembered even the players because it was just like, you know, broadcasters. And then he kind of mm-hmm. was like, oh, he was always interested in U Sports after it was, I don't know, maybe it was the year Saskatchewan upset Carl. I don't know. I think they must have beat UBC. Yeah. That was the year, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, wow, actually, yeah, just through TV. And I mean, now nowadays, I don't know, Instagram, House of Highlights, like every day, it's like Duke highlights and UNC highlights. Of course, mm-hmm. like D1 is amazing, but I mean, like you just have to literally get more exposure on the athletes show like and there's already some I think some Instagram like some uh, blogs and stuff they're doing a pretty good job but it like 
just such a good product as you can see because guys are actually like going out and killing it so i think mm -hmm. yeah just the exposure to get young canadians to see like oh man like this is a level like it gives extra motivation it'll in turn make them better too because i'm like man i to make it there i got to get even 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 better and it's worth it because i'll get to play at ubc like in front of even i think there will be more crowds coming if it's tv covered and if there's just more like you said exposure in the beginning i think yeah yeah no, i agree for me, yeah. um, i think ontario does a good job especially with football you know they they get games broadcast and things like that and i'd love to see out west sort of because the talent is phenomenal and you know it's not everybody wants to open a laptop or is comfortable you know older people trying to stream a game it can be overwhelming right like just let us yeah. turn the tv on and watch some good hoops at least yeah. a few times a year um and I think you're right, you know, and I think the the conversation and, and just watching your journey, right, from JUCO thinking D1 to going to UBC and having like a phenomenal experience, which is basically a Canadian Division One experience, you know, the way all those people treat you, you know, the Nike gear, you know, everything yes. is first class, right? So, you know, there's some good things that can be said about, about you sport across the board. And there, yeah, there's just like guys like even I mean I didn't even mention one of my best friends Pat Simon in those years too. He's I think he's very like in the Vancouver community now with like grit and stuff. He's helping out and yep. even he man like I think he would be a guy that like he would end up getting fans because he's just such a like forceful player you know with his appearance and stuff like that. And I always imagine like those would be guys who actually would get a great following just through the exposure because those like just like likable guys who are like have a brand you know like. Mm -hmm. Go there, yeah. yeah. Highlight that stuff a little more. Pat was yes. uh, Pat. Pat was very hard to uh, coach against. He was like a, oh, basically man. a grown man in high school. <laughs> like, yeah. What are we gonna do with this dude? Yes, <laughs> he's a freak. Yeah. Yeah. Corbin was on the team. Yeah, we won't talk about it. They went through. Yeah, we lost to his high school team at the Catholic Championship. It was a bit of an upset. Yeah, that's why Corb is throwing that out there. Oh, wow. Probably a coach's fault, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then turning pro, so you're, you're, I'm assuming you finish your degree on time at UBC um, yes. and then start to think bigger picture. How, how do you make the choice to, uh, to go to Spain your first year? Um, first off, and, shout out, yeah, shout out Kev for it. He planned out my degree perfectly because I did only have three years. Mm -hmm. And I remember him, like, he put out a perfect schedule for me to do summer school and stuff. So, yeah, I just finished it on time with, I do a lot of courses, but it worked out fine. I mean, you're in a unique scenario, too. It's not like you can uh, go to the island for the weekend and come back to do your courses. Like, I live in mm -hmm. damn Germany, man. I need to get this done. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's that's dope that you got that done. And I, and I think, you know, like, Pasha was playing and ended up doing his masters while he was playing and so when you plan those things out it, it, and it comes through fruition it's nice it's like it makes that that leap you know I knowing that I could have I could have gone play pro but this is what I wanted and I made it and I did it and that's a huge accomplishment you know exactly yeah and so how did how did Spain like you start to get an agent or you start to throw yourself yeah. out there and see what's available so once again, it's more of like an interesting process. The agents start reaching out my last year because you'd come available technically and I had, a, I had a pretty solid season. So there's interest and then ended up actually going with one guy who was like is one of the best friends of one of my child like youth basketball mentors who like I just always listen to and he's a guy who just like if he says something you just kind of listen. He doesn't give you a million like piece of advice. He just says like things that are very... And he called me and he says, man, just cut the crap. He's the guy. Like, 
don't worry, we'll fight for you, do whatever. So I was like, okay, that makes it easy. And mm -hmm. never regretted it since. He's been amazing. And then, yeah, that first year, the, the logical option was to go back to Germany because I have a name there. Teams were excited to see me after going through those five years of developing. I know the teams, I know the way we play there. So there's interest there. But once again, I just felt like this is too early to go, like into that comfort zone again. And I don't know why I was just like, I want to go see some somewhere else. So I told my agent like, no, like let's take Germany out of the equation. Um, wow. Let's try to look for something else. And then Spain came up with a guy who was longtime Spanish national team assistant coach. And yeah, on the call, he just like, he's talking about his individuals with Rubio, with Fernandez, all these type of guys. So I don't know if their names to you, Sergio Lul. And of course. so I was yeah. like, this is the Spanish basketball school. like. It's something I was always intrigued by because they do play some of the best basketball around the world tactically and the way they develop players. And he sold me on that. And he says, yeah, we're trying to um, move up because they're not in the first league. So we're trying to move up and build a team. So I was like, you know what? Like, this is the spot where I'm, yeah, I'm, I should be going to. And then decided to go there. Uh, guys were pretty surprised back home saying, like, why don't you go back home? Because everybody does. And I was like, I don't know. I just... I mean, this is what basketball is for me. Try to see different places around the world. That's part of the equation. And I could combine, I think, everything there, like keep developing as a player because I am learning every like new things every single day, but I'm pretty aware of what's happening in Germany. So I just went to Spain and, oh, man, like it is fascinating, the stuff you learn out there. Like the details and the way they do think about basketball, it's like it's 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 interesting. I think every country can learn. Like, I mean, there's details that, like the coach who took me aside and stuff he told me i never even thought about like stuff i don't know like great examples of what he did with the national team like they say in the first quarter you go crash the glass with four guys like you take the risk of getting run over but if you crash the whole time you have guys like like they're like saying about the psychology of players like in the beginning everybody's trying to get their foot into the game so if you crash like crazy people miss box outs coaches get upset and then you stop teams from running like I was like, what do you mean? And then that was the rule. We crashed with four guys in the fourth quarter, leaving us more exposed. But we ended up catching like the fewest transition points in the whole league because we were crashing the glass like crazy, which stopped like, and once you don't run the first quarter, teams stop running for the rest of the games. So it's just like one mm -hmm. of a million examples where I was like, like, what is going on yeah. here? And then you never stop the ball ever. Like you literally, if you get the ball, you have a second to the side, which is normal, but they do it like at a level where it's like, like Spanish guys in a one-on-one, -on -one, like, I mean, I could beat everybody on the team. Like it was not a problem, but then in a five-on-five -five setting, like they never even let it come to that. They just like create one advantage and carry that advantage throughout the offense and keep like alive. Like you laid on a close, they attack you again, they kick it, they move it. And I learned so much in like the five months I was there, it was amazing. And then sadly, mm -hmm. yeah, I was just cut sh um, short through injury. I aggravated like my knee a little bit, had like a patellar tendon problem there pretty severely and i was like man like probably better idea i got the mri and they said yeah this doesn't make any sense for you to continue so that how that's how the spain season was cut short but i think once again statistically it wasn't a great year either but just that decision again like to go try to learn a new language and then having that coaching staff really like did open up a new way to think about basketball mm -hmm. that yeah i was i was fascinated by that and I mean, that's what I'm trying to do, learn as much as I can about the game. STM Knight's going to crash the glass first quarter every game next year. You watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Although we don't have anyone to crash the glass, but we'll give it a, we'll give it a go. That's awesome, man. I love those stories. Yeah. I love that insight. 
Um, you can totally tell you're a thinker. Hey, like you're a smart individual and you process things like just from chatting with you, you can pick up on how your brain works, man. That's dope stuff. Appreciate all, it. Yeah. Yeah. Also being a guard probably would have been nice to play with you because you figure some stuff out out there. <laughs> You and you got banged up. Were you a little bit nervous about what the next season was going to look like for you and, and kind of, you know, get do I get picked up? And obviously things don't work out with the team there. Talk about that because I mean, you're still, you're one year in, right? Yes, exactly. And had you been healthy so, your whole career? Like, did you deal with any injuries in your five years of post-secondary or just like no, nothing major? Nothing major. You have your like little wear and tear, but I was managed, like able to manage everything. So this is the first time I think must have been my life, yeah, that I had to six sit out like half a season like actually six months was my uh, mm. six seven months I think was my rehab schedule and then yeah 100% like same thing again like a new new little journey in itself to be like that's not a good thing to get injured that early on and like it wasn't even really like a something happened in a game which was kind of overused which also they don't like to hear mm. so I was 100% nervous to be okay how is this going to work out also I didn't really have a chance to improve my statistics and stuff so people right away are like oh you should have went to Germany it wouldn't have happened like you know how these things go and I was just like at home rehabbing then I actually um, was able to go to Windsor where uh, my wife is from and spent uh, I think two months there of my rehab which was really good for me because supported me and the family um, is great because they're all athletes her father is a retired MLB player and stuff. So just kind of being in that environment. Her brother at that time was a professional baseball player. At the end of his, I think he was just about to go into season again. Oh, we got that double gene pool. Yes. Yeah. No, no pressure. I mean, I'm, if, if, if you decide to have kids, I mean, the things are looking all right there, man. You know? No, we'll yeah. see. But just they, you know, just being in an environment and stuff was great. And then. And I started talking to my agent and the big problem was that teams were like in May and June were like, hey, like let's come for tryouts. We want to see right away. Even towards the end of the season, we have everybody here still just come a week after their season. I was just like, I can't. Like I I shouldn't be jumping. Like I have to build out. I will be ready late July, early August when they're almost done signing or the big signing thing was over. So this is a big issue. Mm -hmm. So actually some solid teams showed interest which i was surprised by but they're like no your ubc career was good enough ubc has a good reputation um damn really huh they, yeah they they know cs is getting on the map more and more use sports because i mean i mean there's so many guys i could mention honestly like nobody yeah. please nobody get mad if i forget them but like yeah. just example from ryerson that year like dudes like aaron best before me then guys like because Sammy, because I don't know, I forget, forget their names. The guys from Carlton, like everybody is killing in Europe. Like Philip Scrub was the, the, scrubs, the top yeah. score, the, the top score in the German league. <laughs> so they're like, where is he from? Like Carlton, OU Sports. So like, it actually had a good reputation. And then, yeah, my numbers in my last season, like they were like were able to overlook that Spain thing, but I was wasn't able to try out. So that was the big problem. So I started like getting into that loop of like, man, should I rush it, should I rush it? But my agent was really good and being like, no, like you'll regret this. Be patient, be patient. I'm going to pause for a sec here. Young fellas, if there's young fellas listening, I'm telling you, man, you sport, don't overlook it. You want to get paid to play basketball. I mean, if your goal is division one, no one wants to shoot that dream down, but man, you can get a great degree and you can still find a way to uh, get paid, you know, with doing something you love. So I, I, I appreciate that insight. Didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's important. There are a few young characters that listen to the show and have aspirations, I hope. And uh, it's important for them to hear that they can still get it done that way, right? 100%. And from every single school, like, 
I mean, it's not just like you have to go to the absolute powerhouses. You'd be surprised how many guys are out there and just teams are looking too because the big advantage that U-Sports has just to add on to that is the FIBA rules. Like guys who come from college, even we have a rookie now and stuff. He's, he's doing well, he's adjusting well, but it is just an adjustment, you know, with the three-point line being out more with the, I think the shot clock, I don't know if, what NCAA is now, if they changed it or if it's still 30 seconds or something. I think it's but 35, isn't it? 35 still. So, I think, yeah, I don't yeah. know. So they're like, wow, these guys are more ready. Like you play FIBA rules and stuff. So that's why like I've, I've seen so many guys succeed in that way. And then, yeah, I just, it did not look great whatsoever. I had a, a then a tryout early August where I was pretty rusty and like it was okay, but they, the stuff they were offering me, it wasn't like, it was definitely undervalued in a way. And I was just like, I shouldn't jump on that. And then, yeah, I thought I was going to have to wait even longer now and just kind of wait for like an injury replacement or a team like trying to add on or something. But I thought I was going to be another couple of months without a team. And then luckily a team from Austria called my agent and says, like, really quick, a guy jumped off. We need like an uh, aggressive guard, like a guy who can create, a guy who can play both positions, one and a two. Do you have anybody? We don't have a like amazing budget, but we're willing to like kind of promise him a great role and stuff. And that was just what I was looking for because like the league was had a really good reputation and then mm-hmm. kind of that promised role. And then I was like taking a little bit of a pay cut, which was fine for me that year. And then, yeah, it just happened, I think, over a day and a half period of me, like, kind of expecting, I was planning maybe to go back to Canada, visit my girlfriend at that time, and then do, continue my training there. And then just day and a half later, I was in Austria and joining Crazy. training camp. And then, yeah. So that's all you need, though, that little window, that little opportunity. Um, yes. The right thing comes around. And now, look, you know, you're playing in Bayreuth, man, like... Yes, you know some. It's pretty. It's pretty phenomenal. So good on you, and and really appreciate the ability to stay driven and and not give up on yourself. I think that so many awesome takeaways. And then let's get into this whole sort of last couple of months for you qualifying the olympics um i remember i finished a round of golf and you guys were just tipping off against the u.s and it was you know it was pretty cool to see right um take us through i mean obviously you've talked about your dad so that's where the citizenship comes from correct yeah um how long had you played for the national team there before or how does that all even come around for you yeah so I think the first contact I had was actually after my UBC year, my last season, um, when a guy from Toronto reached out and he like, he's a half Iranian, I mean, Canadian now. And he said, there's interest. They want me to come to a training camp somewhere in Europe, but I still have my exams to do in April. So that training camp was like early April. So I was like, I'll come after, I'll come after. But then they were like, uh, no, no, like we need to go get going now. We have games in May. So maybe not this summer, we'll see. So I was like, okay, so that was my first kind of contact I had. Then obviously the season in Spain with the injury kind of removed the interest. So there was no contact there. And then like once we, I got to Austria and had my really good season towards the end of that Austrian league when I signed that two-year deal in Bayreuth, which took me back to Germany. They're like, man, like, yeah, we followed your journey, but in Spain, it didn't work out well with the injury. We didn't know, but now you proved in Austria again, you're a guide, you want to... Um, come start playing for the national team and stuff. We obviously have to see you. And then, 
yeah, my season last year in Germany was a process the whole time. Um, they already had qualified for the Olympics through the World Cup. So um, they said for sure you'll be able to go to the training camp. But yeah, it took actually like six months to take care of all the papers because it is uh, rather difficult. I mean, I always had my citizenship, but especially with Corona yeah. at that time to go to the embassy and all this stuff. And then it is like, the embassy is three hours from here. So to get that free time with Corona yeah. to go there with my dad and yeah. stuff. So I actually never knew if it's, if it's going to work out in a sense. And then yeah, just in time in March, I think I got my citizenship and um, well, I already had, I mean, I got my passport and all the papers in, in, in place. And then, yeah, they kind of in April told me, okay, after season, you're going to come out here and we'll have a, three-week training camp then we have qualifications for an asia cup we use those as preparation for the olympics but basically yeah, i'll be potentially you could be cut any week or you can make it all the way to august 8th or whatever though when the olympics were over so then yeah finished season uh was it really really wild seasons anybody will tell with corona with no fans that was mentally like exhausting because i mean you're always motivated but it was just that push that like always in front of empty arenas those hundred restrictions those millions of tests you had to do were kind of just like a toll so then mm -hmm. i had four days at home and then yeah man like i wanted my dad to come with me obviously because the language is uh like very 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 minimal sadly because uh yeah my mom more my dad was working a lot when i was young so my brother is more like he understands everything and stuff but my farsi is not great mm -hmm. so once again flew into like a completely different culture landed and that was like the biggest culture shock of my life probably with i mean things are done very differently there and it's amazing it's like you know the middle east has a bad reputation over here but iran is like one of the most beautiful countries i've ever been to the most hospitable people i felt super welcomed uh, you have everything you need the uh, People are super progressive. They are, you know, they they love the world. It's just, it's just on a side note. I'm not trying to get political here, but it's just like, you know, no, no, there's, go for it. there's great people everywhere. So that was just like amazing for me to see to kind of finally go there and meet like also family, some of my family that I've never met before because mm -hmm. my brother, like my, my dad's uncle and aunt and people still live, no, actually just uncle lives there still. His brother, cool. I mean, my uncle, yeah. And um, it's a good point, though. I mean, you know, look, this is a basketball podcast, but it's true the yeah. way that the way that certain countries and places get portrayed through social media, through the news outlets or get clumped yeah. into with others. So, you know, go off if you need to. I mean, that's awesome. And no, it's just do I can do I get to stay with your family if I go for vacation with my wife or what? Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll organize that. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Germany, too. And Iran, I have to see. I mean. I, we don't we don't live there. We have my my uncle there. Well, talk to him. But yeah. yeah, just for me, the main point is just I'm not even talking about all the but the polit but it's just like the people. Like I was like, wow, you guys are like mm -hmm. I felt like I mean, and it's I always I mean I was German basically my whole life. But yeah, I had some of those culture traits and stuff, and I felt really like at home. And they give you a lot of pride and sort of the other side of you, and almost probably connected you even more with your dad, right? And and just seeing yes. where he's from and what he's been through and what it, that's all about. Hey, it must have been like how powerful and cool, you know? Yeah, just guys who kind of like more look like you in a way, you know, that was the <laughs> beginning. And then there are certain similarities with our gestures and mimic. I'm a very like, you know, mimicky person. And I was like, oh, where does I come from? And now I was there, I was like, wow, there's, there's 80 million of me here. Oh. <laughs> and then, yeah, just like funny people and, talk a lot and 
But yeah, that summer, man, like holy, just they are uh, very old school in training, so they're just kind of they're trying to say we're behind Europe in like ten years, so we got to make it up through training. So they're trying to do that in one day sometimes, you know, <laughs> close that gap. So I was just like, oh, but he's telling the stories, man. Just it's the Tehran, like the capital city, is. 40 42 celsius throughout the entire like four months period is desert right i mean there's you have every sort of landscape in iran you have almost rainforest in the north you have beaches in the very south but that central part where Tehran is or that north central part is deserty so or i don't know if that's the word desert yeah and it's <laughs> freaking 40 42 and then they had us doing like runs on like the track. There's a really famous stadium. It used to be, I think, one of the biggest stadiums in the world. It's like 110,000 people. And I was just like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, we're going <laughs> sightseeing in here, hopefully. You know, <laughs> guys bring their track shoes and stuff. I just yeah. brought mine because there's also some communication issues sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. just brought mine because, you know, where I, what did I wear? Like Nike. You got your tank top and sunglasses and, and yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. And they're like, actually, we're doing like 10 times. 10 times 400 and I was like anybody bring water here or what's going on <laughs> and then yeah we just in the I was like are you freaking like like 10 like you know I man and like it's 40 like I mean you guys experienced this summer I heard BC was like 45 and stuff yeah it's and been ridiculous I, like now imagine running for you for an Olympic squad there you know because the guys are watching and you got to prove yourself every single day so yeah that was wild yeah I love it, man. <laughs> it's so interesting, though, how it's like, you know, I, I love the perspective just in terms of you've seen so many different styles and then, you know, you finally take all this time to get this paperwork and everything done. And then you're like, wow, like it's throwback. But they're also thinking like their mentality is we're behind. How do we keep up? Like, I just I find that part of it just really interesting. And, and you know, they're not just rolling it out. They are comparing themselves to others in other countries and being like, what do we need to do to get there? You know? Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, yeah. it's, they always trying to, I thought it's fascinating, right? They don't accept it. Like, no, no, we want to be there in five, six years. I mean, they are powerhouse in Asia. They mm -hmm. won the Asia cup multiple times in the past and mm -hmm. up to just like the European teams we do struggle against. So, yeah. But he, like you said, man, even that just like a new style of basketball, they play great basketball out there. It's just, it's like very, very like aggressive in a way, you know, these guys are grown men, like, tough dudes who like and you know in europe it is sometimes more finesse playing through things but that side of just like mm -hmm. if you beat us like you have to run through us you know and you, that's not going to be easy because they're tough dudes out there so just kind of adding that like yeah, yeah grittiness like back to it and stuff was fascinating yeah yeah and the olympic experience man crazy like this must have been some <laughs> pinch me moments and uh like so many times just caught yourself you know, obviously you're a confident guy and you've worked hard to get where you are, but did you ever give yourself a moment to just go, wow, look, look at where I've come to? No. And I mean, this is fresh right three weeks ago, but yeah. I mean, starting at like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be like what's called inspirational, but like I was in a, like situations in a ju Juco also didn't have a great year there. Right. Where it was just mm -hmm. like, wow, this, this might've been it literally like, at the lower level of post-secondary school, like probably the lowest if you, I think, yeah, there's nothing below Juco. Mm -hmm. Just struggling, probably. I think I remember I, like this one game at my first DNP of my entire life and I was just like, are you like kidding me? Like what is happening here? And then yeah. seeing of like 
it's putting my head down always like kind of the stuff that i done my whole life of just you just gotta outlast people like don't quit quality practice every single day like your daily routine go after it and stuff and then ending up at the olympics and even that was just in the summer till the last day we didn't know who was gonna go so i was just Damn, like really? every single day yeah till the last day before we flew and then i was just <laughs> like, like savage i don't know i don't know it's their mentality so i was like yeah. going i was going i was going like every single day because we're trying to form a team but at the end of the day man i'm fighting like for yeah. the once in a lifetime opportunity and then that last day before we flew yeah guys three guys or two guys didn't show up to practice anymore and i was like well that's 12 i think but what does this mean and but there wasn't this like moment you guys are the squad so yeah before i knew it i was on a plane to tokyo and i was like wow i'm i'm gonna be an olympian and like literally I don't know. I mean, for me, that's just like people always say NBA, like, oh, but like for me, that's I'm the biggest sports fan. Like you probably ever meet. I love every single sport. So for me, that's the biggest sports event in the world. It always has been. So probably the highest goal. Like I said in the beginning, I always just set myself the goal to become the best player I can be and see where it takes me because everything else is so much luck and opportunity. You do give yourself lucky moments. The harder you work, obviously, but. You know, just that call in Austria, that fact that I met this guy in that open gym in Juco, like, I was just because I was work. obviously, people liked the way I was playing and stuff, but I mean, there's 100% luck involved in being at the right time and the right moment. So that's not my goal, but then if there would be more, I guess, detailed goals or specific leagues and stuff, the Olympics was probably my biggest childhood dream. So yeah. I was like, wow. And then you land, but you don't have time because in two days, you got to figure out how to guard Kevin Durant. So... You don't have one moment to actually like process like, oh yeah, you got to stop this guy called Lillard. I don't know if you heard about him. And then I'm like, okay, I'm like trying to take in this village experience, but also being like, you know, watching a film of like, okay, he, he's pretty good shooting, you know, he's pretty fast. He's good left or right. So what are you going to do there? <laughs> and how was that? I mean, like just, you know, what is the, what are those moments like as a competitor? You're like, man, I'm, because I would just assume there's no point in being like nervous or starstruck. It's like, okay, it's Lillard. You're like, man, if I can like, I might be able to maybe pluck this guy and get on Sports Center. you know, like you might as well go for it. Yeah. You're supposed to no, get that, busted. So that was the mindset. It's just, yeah, with the, the one problem I think with our teams that a lot of guys play in the Iranian league and stuff. So during that tournament, it was just, I, everybody was like trying to have their moment in a way to be like, if I play well now, I can make it to a European league. So from what we did before, when we played together, I mean, because in the summer we had like a crazy exhibition schedule. We flew to Spain, played against Spain two times with the full roster against the Gazal brothers, like all the legends there, Rubio, all, all those guys. Played pretty well in one of those games. Flew to, flew to Japan before the um, Olympics, actually. Played them three times with, uh, I think they have two NBA guys. Played really well together and then... Yeah, had great games there too, but then in the Olympics, it kind of like the first game was nice against the Czech Republic. We lost by five, I think, and they're, the, I mean, the team, I think, who beat Canada in Victoria, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yep. So they had a great, and it was that roster, and I thought we had him, but also like the first half, we're down 20. Through that, like playing, you know, everybody, it's not, it is selfish, but you know, it's understandable too, because these guys are like, I'm trying to make it out, this is my moment, yeah, yeah. so... It was bound to happen, and then we start playing together second half, winning a great run, and then against the USA, everybody was like, I think too much of what you said, oh, I can make it on SportsCenter tonight, and against them, like, we made it too easy on them. I think we ended up losing by, like, 50, but yeah, as, as 
as crazy as it is going against those guys, I mean, I'll have, have a couple, I think, like cool stories about the game I'll tell in a second, but mm-hmm. like it's still, you know, it's 40 minutes. Like, I think we had a chance to not lose by 50, like 20 or 15 and stuff, because at the end, I think the just their athleticism would have made the difference. But mm-hmm. yeah, we just, if you take early shots, you play selfish, long rebounds, they start running. And if you get them running and get them comfortable, that's not a good combination. And then, but yeah, like I'm you said, you, didn't, you didn't do crash the glass in the first quarter. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, and even that. I mean, not every coach now like don't come back and he says this doesn't work. It's just like yeah. <laughs> he said this. No, right, we'll, said uh, this we're going to attach you know? your email address to this episode, and anyone who tries that <laughs> no. technique can just contact you and, and hey, let you I know. Want no, com- <laughs> he he said that, and I was just like, what? So I was like, okay, I've never seen four guys crash, and it just like it worked in that season. He says that's what we do, and I was just like, okay, but. Don't I mean there's also crashing and there's crashing, right? We had guys like going there trying to like for their life fighting for a ball. So if you have just guys walking in and being like, Oh, this doesn't work, then it's like, hey, there's you know, there's different ways of crashing the glass. But yeah. Uh, um, yeah, tell us then, a couple of stories from that game before we move on and uh, and kind of get you on your way. This has been awesome, man. But what yes. what sticks out to you from that? The one thing that's just people are like, oh it's crazy, like all these guys, but it's just like, yeah, the the, the the one guy for example like guys like Draymond Green you know who were here before you, people some people like him some people don't and stuff but the one thing like the amount of like talking this guy does I've never seen that in my life before like he talks the whole time he's on the court like whatever he like literally everything you can imagine he's putting guys on out of balance plays oh there 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 he's like guys making mistakes like I don't know. Zach Levine dribbled off his foot out of balance. He's like, yeah, he's finding like the one good thing. He's like, hey, I like when you go there aggressive. Like, this is what we got to do. Like, whatever he's doing, the whole time he's talking on defense, he's he's putting guys into place. I was just like, it was like a constant, like, just, and really, you know, things that I even, like, I'm, I tried to talk a lot in the court, but like the feedback he was giving, like having everybody on the same page and stuff, I was just like, wow, like, like you can kind of see now like that you would want that uh, to have that on every single team and guys say you know it doesn't have offensive qualities all this kind of stuff but like on the team you can see that everybody like would like to play with him because he doesn't care if he has zero like points or two points he's just doing whatever it takes and literally the whole time almost like a extended like coach on the court and you see that before with other guys who talk a lot but that's just like i've never seen that in my life before and even if you watch mic'd up you know of nba whatever and guys are like yeah. help 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 like no no this is like a different universe like of <laughs> like the amount of detailed instructions like, hey next time like take a step up i got you on the head you're like literally whenever there's a mistake like they did on the switch or something he will like figure it out without even a coach like probably having to say anything he will come and say we got to do this this and that and then yeah. you can't run any like like you know every like tricky thing you try to do in an out-of-bounds play and stuff he will almost have like a sense for it and stuff so that like stood out to me and then i mean yeah guys like i don't have to talk about lillard like the speed and kd is just like i've never seen a human being that's that tall and can shoot like it's just not you know it's not fair man like why you got to shoot like that like you're taking my job like you know I've got, if you start having my like i don't know passing like me and stuff too then I've, there won't be any jobs for me it's just like seven footers nowadays if they start passing and like, come on man don't do step backs too like you gotta you gotta you gotta leave me something you know and then yeah it was it was a great experience but i was just like trying to go out there and trying to like do a little bit of damage control because we actually did pretty well when i was on the court so i was happy with that and yeah yeah my, my plus minus was solid so that's, nice. that's the one thing i was looking at yeah 
ready for some random questions and then we can let you go and relax. Yes, okay. yes for sure. I didn't send you this one, but I'm so I'm gonna put but I'm gonna put you on the spot. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kitts Beach Saturday morning. Guys that you've played with, you and four dudes. Who are you taking with you? Kitts Beach. Your call. Yeah, they get they can fly in. Doesn't matter. They don't have to be local. You got. But it's black top. Nah, it's I'm not. Going, I'm, I'm it, going it, straight it, Canadian. Screw all everybody else. My boys out there. I mean. Who do I have? Once again, nobody, please be offended, but out there, the first guy wants to Pat Simon. You got to have this guy. Like, he's a freak on outdoor basketball. It's just a combination. Then I'll take my guy, the floor general, uh, Jacob Simmons, that I played with at Olds College. That would be number two. Who else, man? Just like probably, uh, say, Isaiah Oguala. I don't know if you know him from, that's that guy from, uh, played at Churchill, played UBC. Now he's a oh, yeah. take this guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, more. That's, I mean, that's probably not the smartest lineup with no bigs. But then, yeah, and then the dog. He played at, at Kelowna, I think. Parker Simpson. He's also just a dog for outdoor basketball and stuff. Like, will throw himself on everything. So, just wow. four random guys. I'll say those names. Yeah. Just ugly and win. Stay on run yes. all day, huh? Yes, all day. Let's go. What do you think about ketchup on macaroni? I don't really eat macaroni, but I'm sure. You don't eat macaroni? No. No big mac. It's like mac and cheese, that type of thing? Yeah, yeah. No, nice. not really my... It's not really that typical in Europe, I think. That's why, but... Well, listen, we'll, you've done but you've done nothing typical. Like, listen to your story. Now you're going to start about <laughs> things that are typical, eh? Okay. All right, I see how it is. That's messed up. Oh, Thank you. Man. Thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you read? Yes. Passionate okay. reader. Okay, so what are some maybe an all-time book for you or something you've read recently? A couple that uh, maybe you could suggest to some listeners that, and it doesn't matter. Like we've had, it doesn't have to be a sports thing. We've had whatever your mind enjoys. What's a book? Give us the background to it, so if someone connects to it, too many all all time. No, I just I read every morning. Like me and my my wife are big into it. It's just like a great thing. Yeah, just then just tell us so many books recently. What's, what's, what's stuck one? out to you? I mean, the, the one I actually never read so far, the one I'm reading right now is the sports book Mamba Mentality from Kobe, which is cool, like fascinating to hear how you approach the game and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I really like the books, like what was a talent code, I think, by Dan Coyle, that just kind of challenged the notion of talent because I do think talent is overrated. Uh, to be, bang, I mean, bang. I'm the proof I'm 6'2", not really physically gifted in any way. I do have long arms. That might be the one thing, but I just genetics are just you know it's it is i think there's a lot more that you can do that's you know you kind of blame oh i don't have that talent and stuff and just even now playing i mean i'm going off on a rant again sorry if i'm boring anybody but no man it's just you know there's no born shooters or like oh this guy's genetically born like no every everybody i play with even the greatest shooters on my team like we do train twice a day for two hours they're in there an hour and a half before taking one hour of game shots just like amount of detail and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and are still like maybe shoot 40 percent or 42 and now imagine what a guy like curry does if he shoots i don't know 45 with the type of shots he's taken or mm-hmm. whatever it's just 100 percent of work or any great player is just talent is overrated and then 
think the one book, I don't know, I forget. I think you just, there's so many, the growth mindset, just simple, like those nonfiction books and stuff were kind of, think can help young athletes to kind of change a little bit of their mindset. And Grit is another one that the startup now by what's uh, by Doug uh, Plum and mm-hmm. stuff, but there's a book also that's just a concept, which is very fascinating. So I like those books, you know, challenge a little yep. bit the notion. Yep. Good stuff. Who's been some of the most important people in your life? Probably my parents. I could say anybody, but my parents since day one, just my mom, my dad, uh, always had my back, always made me, allowed me to dream, allowed me to follow anything to, I think, for a lot of people, but just, yeah, my parents are the greatest. Good stuff. It's off season, you're on vacation, you're getting a little bit kind of snacky and munchy. What's the bag of chips you're getting? Now, I'm, you... I'm, not, a, yeah, I'm not a big chip guy, but wow. Yeah, yeah it's just, I don't know. I'm not only No macaroni, no stuff. chips. Pick out no. the guy who's still playing pro ball and pick out the fat, retired <laughs> coach. <laughs> oh, well, what? Let me think here. Isn't Lay's like Lay's is a brand of chips? Yeah. Lay's? I'll take Lay's, sure. Let's take that Plain? one. Plain? Uh, like ketchup, barbecue, all dressed, barbecue. sour cream, and yeah. barbecue? Ketchup, 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 ketchup. No, let's change it. Ketchup Lay's, that's the one. Best chip. There we go. He's made that up on the fly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who are some of the great... I mean, you talked about KD and, uh, you know, the guys in the American team. But outside of that, who are some of the greatest players you've had the chance to play against, do you think, that stuck, stuck out like, wow, that guy could really hoop? Well, one guy in that, I mean, it's also from the summer, but Spanish national team, his name is Sergio Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. played in the NBA for three years for Philly. I think put up great numbers too. 10-8, I mean, I don't know, Don't please don't quote me on that, but mm-hmm. like, and now EuroLeague legend and stuff, and going against this guy was just, I've never, like, because Rubio's on the same team, but Rubio just plays different, like, but like Rodriguez, every single decision, like decision, there's no mistakes, it's just... Like crazy handles and stuff, but I mean, even on America, like these guys have crazy athleticism. But some of the decisions they make is just like you know, it could be better decisions. They just make up through it with other stuff. But this guy is just yeah. like some of the that's the smartest basketball player I probably ever played against. I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like <laughs> a nightmare nice. to guard. I love that too. We're in a place with basketball where dudes are like, nah, I'm gonna leave the NBA and just go ball out in Europe. Like I like that. I love that there's that, that option because it used to be. And we've, we've had a few people who was like NBA was on their radar and then, you know, they either cracked it or got close and it was kind of like, damn, I can go and hop on a plane and go back here and get paid really well. Like, that's cool. I like that. And the NBA is the best of the best. And I mean, the money now is ridiculous. So obviously, if you're in those contracts, it makes sense. But I mean, the fan culture and stuff, I have to tell you, like EuroLeague mm-hmm. is like probably this, some of the best basketball in the world outside the NBA. So this guy's yeah. living a good life for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do you like music? Are you a music guy? Yeah. Okay. I like music. Not the most passionate listener, but yeah. All right. You and wifey or you and a couple of the boys get to go to a concert, dead or alive. Artist doesn't matter. You got the best seat. Who who you want to go see? I don't know if the boys, if they would like it, but just like I always, Michael Jackson, you know, I saw some of his yeah. concerts where people were like passing out. Like, you know, literally, like, have to, I don't know if you've seen that in the front, yeah, yeah. like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and get carried off, and I'm like, hold up, like, they're not, I don't think they were drunk or on that, like, just because this guy was doing it so well that you, like, that must be insane, passing out from him performing, like, <laughs> so that's just like, you know, I was like, that's something I probably would have liked to experience. You got some MJ moves in you, or no? Ever, did the 
MJ moves, like some Michael Jackson yeah. moves. You got like the moonwalk. No, they ever come um, out at the pit pub or what? No, a little bit, but I'm, I'm solid dancing. But yeah, just tough to imitate it. The, the goat, man. This guy is this guy is great at dancing. That's for sure. <laughs> um, let's just say that's not why your wife was attracted to you. Wasn't your dance skills? Hey. <laughs> I'm all right. Really? I'm all right. But I okay. think the package. I think the package. I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you. Thank you. It's the, it's the Iranian in me, man. We have rhythm. The, the, there the we Persian go. There we rhythm. go. Come on now. For those that have listened this far in the comment section, let us know if you've seen this man on the dance floor. We want to know the real truth. <laughs> Two questions and we're on your way. Uh, to you, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Oh, but I'm going to upset everybody again because the. MJ is the is the symbolic goat because he put basketball on the global map. Like there's just he's the reason I started playing basketball. So he's probably my all time favorite player. Like he what he's done, but the greatest player of all time. If if your life is on the line and you need this guy on your team to win a game, you take LeBron James. That's just my opinion. He just if your if your life is on the line and you need this guy. Wow. Just, but it's my generation, right? That's who I grew up watching. Like yeah, I've seen no, MJ a little goes. bit of stuff. But yeah, but no, uh, people are gonna be upset. MJ, the, the Kobe, Kobe also amazing. But yeah, for me, it's just my life is on the line, and I need somebody on the squad. I'll take LeBron. I saw today that uh, whatever the media people made, who they think the best player in the NBA is going to be next year, and he didn't get one vote, and he's like. You know, he tweeted like hashtag washed or something. I'm like, come on, man. Why are you so dramatic? Like, you may not be the best player in the NBA anymore, but you're still like top five, man. Like, in your like 19th year. Like, come on, man. Yeah, he, I, I, I get people, you know, do not like him, certain guys, but you didn't say who's my, you know, the favorite. I just, just the, yeah, the greatest it's player. Your, yeah. hey, your yeah. episode, your world, we're yes. just living in it. Yes. It's all good. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a young buck. You still got. I mean, who's your goat? I mean, my favorite player growing up was Magic. Okay. Um, I just loved him. He was my guy. But uh, and I actually hated MJ because he just could. He kind of like took over. You know, like he yeah. knocked Magic off, and then. Um, but I just think, yeah, I think it's I think it's MJ. Just I did, I don't know. He just. I never see him. I never saw him like not get it done. You know what I mean? So, but whatever, like you say, it's a total generational thing, right? Like, I mean, I get ragged on for being an old head with my hip hop and the young guys give yes. me a hard time because it all sounds the same to me. And I tell them, I'm like, in 20 years, you're going to be having this conversation with someone who's 15 years young, younger than you. So very true. Right. Like just get used to it. So even I'm starting now, man, some of that young, like yeah. I'm listening to hip hop rap, but some of the new stuff, I'm like, come on, man. Right. We'll have a quality here. Come on. Yeah. And can we get original names? Like how many Lil got Lil do we need? We got Lil this, Lil that. I'm like, can we not just come up with an original name? <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. Wow. There's there, there's a lot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Up to this point, you know, we, we wish you all the success in the world. Um, we're looking forward to see where your basketball journey continues. But up to this point, you might have one of the crazier, you know, in terms of miles covered journeys that we've had on this show, 69 episodes. And I say that like you've covered some ground, but if you could do it all again, you would what? To the exact same way as no... I'm so grateful and blessed every single day for the stuff I experienced for the people I met all around the world. And there's, I think you can't live like that with any sort of regrets. And I just, you make the decisions at that time and then you make the best out of the cards you've been dealt. And 
I would do, if that's an answer that's allowed, I think I would do it all the exact same way again. It's only uh, Thursday afternoon in Vancouver, but you just took us to church with that one. Thank you. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Any last yeah. comments or uh, things that you, before we let you go? Uh, no, I mean, to the guys listening, anybody who I forgot or didn't give a shout out, I'm sorry. I mean, I love the Canadian basketball community. I'm really, we actually live in Windsor now. So after my nice. career, I'm moving to Canada. I'm actually, that'd be my final stop, I think, of my life. I hope, <laughs> we'll I mean, see. Not, I don't know, we'll see, but yeah, I'm actually, Canada, just all the people I met there, the, the community, especially Vancouver, just, I don't know, I felt... It was an amazing experience and I felt so welcome. Even now, I mean, today I shared some of my story with that Edmonds story you've seen that it's just like, it's very unique, you know? And I can say that because I've been around the world. You meet always great basketball, like people through basketball and, but the community in Canada, people that's just very, very, very special around the world. So yeah, hello to everybody. Hopefully see you guys again soon. Freaking Corona, you know, we need some traveling <laughs> next summer. Maybe I'll be out there at Kids Beach or something, Kids Fest, I can make it. But thanks for having me. I love I love what you're doing. I enjoy your podcast a lot. Some of the guests on there. I mean, it's an honor to even be along them because among them because some freaking legends. So mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for having me, man. That will be my final those will be my final words and keep doing you, what you're doing. You bet. It's been a pleasure to connect with people that we haven't had the chance to and, and get insight into people's lives and uh, Corbin and I, we take as much away as we do other listeners. We love hearing people's journeys and your thoughtful like mature young man and you've got nothing but good things coming to you so all the best um and thanks for being with us i appreciate you thanks man same to you all the best you got it episode 69 don't forget to like and subscribe this is a good one and a true hoops journey we'll see you on the next episode